0: five
1: six seven eight. Hi stagey friends. Hi Joss. Hi Chris. Hi everybody. This episode has been a long time in the making and we are so excited to finally share it with you. Today joining us we have Chanel Salcido and Spencer Williams the co-writers of brand new musical For Tonight as well as orchestrator Joseph Perdue to talk about the creative process behind their show as well as preparing for the release of their UK concert
0: album, which is coming out to you guys this summer. This is honestly so exciting. We are so thrilled to have them in our studio today. Virtually, of course. Welcome,
2: friends!
1: It's so good to finally see you guys on screen. We would love to start off if you guys wanna go around and just let us know who you are, what you do on the show and where in the world you are right now so our listeners can get used to your voices.
3: Hi, I'm Spencer. Um, I'm one of the co-writers on the show for tonight and I'm coming from Utah, though tomorrow I'll be in California, so it kind of depends. I go back and forth.
4: I'm Chanel. Salcido and um, I am also co-writer, co-composer, co-lyricist as Spencer is on the show. And I am also coming from Utah at, at the moment.
5: Uh, and I'm Joseph Perdue. I'm coming to you from England, uh, about 40 minutes from London. I'm the co-orchestrator and uh, producing the album, the audio and mixing and stuff like that.
1: I think right off the bat, we have to ask what's it like collaborating Not just during this time where we all have to be distanced, but especially at such a great distance for all of you.
3: We started this show like six, seven years ago in regard and we started doing it uh, distance. We've always done that. Um, We've always been in Google Docs working on the show and we've been in lots of different places over the last few years. And so bringing Joseph on board for the album has been really exciting because uh you know we're collaborating with someone new but also joseph being in london like i think the biggest thing it's not really a a huge huge thing for us but i think the biggest thing is just the time difference i'm always working like in his middle of the night (laughs) going back and forth then again
5: i stay up all night
3: long anyway so (laughs) we're we're actually kind
5: of on the same sort of (laughs) hour schedule um yeah no I really like it I'm I'm so used to um working online um I rarely have a collaborator actually in the room um for my other project Legends of Aramar and um, where he lives in Belgium um and I've, I've written orchestrations for other people that live in America so I do a lot of work with people that uh, live in different countries um but yeah I really like it I think uh I think every location kind of has its own um different musical influence. So it's kind of nice hearing writers from other parts of the world because they have different influences and, and you're working with new material. So I like that.
4: It's been a huge uh, benefit to the project. I think having Joseph on board and you know, as he talked about having regional influences of music and he's been able to really bring to the show uh, and craft the sound through his orchestrations that we've been looking for for a very long time. Um, and <laughs> he's it's you know we had to go halfway around the world to find exactly what we were looking for, but you know thanks to to the digital age, it's really brought what, what we think the show needed at this time. So Joseph, it's been awesome having you. Oh, thank
5: you. I've loved being a part of it because I think you guys set up the um, your ideas for the soundscape really well. And even when you just send a um, piano recording, sometimes even that is enough to kind of get a feel of what you're going for. One of the um, new songs I was working on that we just sent the piano, there was already, you could already hear what type of song you were going for. And I think you achieved that really well through the writing. And um, it's also nice to get little references. Like when we were doing um, the second song with all the males, I always forget the name of this one. Was it? Yes, <laughs> you know the one. Um, you just sent me a, a YouTube um, clip of Mumford and & Sons and. As soon as I heard it, I said, oh, yeah, I see what they're going for. So it's been, you know, they they have a very clear idea in their head of what they're trying to achieve, and then I just try and, you know, put it into practice and produce it all.
1: We're definitely going to ask about the musical influences in a hot second, but we would love if you could tell our listeners about the show itself. Like, what's the story?
3: Sure. The story came out of my great, great, great grandfather's journals. It's a tiny, like, maybe five-paragraph of like a really thick handwritten journal but it's all about his life um from basically when he was a child up until he left for america and the bulk of his journals is after when coming to america immigrating walking across the plains to utah and his experience with basically coming to a new country new place but we just thought that beginning part of his life in northern wells was so interesting and and we wanted to kind of explore how does one decide to leave and move across like the world like sight unseen like how do you get to that point and like what are the things that make you have that courage because like i can't i can't fathom it in my mind and i thought that was more interesting and so chanel and i when we started to kind of you know this craft this whole thing in our heads uh that just seemed really interesting to us. And I don't know if Chanel, you want to speak to some of the other parts of the show.
4: Yeah, so um, in addition to, to following um, the character Hayden's story, we've given some different names to these characters. Um, there's really a, a dynamic that we wanted to explore um, in tragedy and loss and how families, cope with changing circumstances. Uh, this was at a time, uh, the setting starts in 1832 in Northern Wells. Um, this is a time when, um, you know, the entire UK is really dealing with a huge wave of cholera. Um, and on top of that, the, the character falls in love with a Romani woman and which, is definitely a taboo thing at that time. And there's a clash clash of cultures going on with that. You've got the family dynamics happening of uh, this family who loses their parents, these siblings, and how do they cope with this afterwards? You And then, um, you know, the cultures, the, the Welsh culture as well as the Romani culture um, are almost their own characters as well within the show too. So um, it's not just a traditional love story and, um, moving to America story, but it's, it's all of the cultural background that, that sets up that unique love story. Very nice.
3: And Chanel has six siblings and I have four siblings. So (laughs) yes. (laughs) And so one of the things that we wanted to explore was that sibling relationship. It's something obviously we've dealt with, you know, growing up and I have four brothers. And so it's you know that part has you know there's a couple of musical theater shows that have that sibling but not not in a way that we wanted to tell and that's such a big part of our lives that it just kind of came together i don't know if it was like an intentional choice but it just ended being this story about siblings and family and how they navigate loss and grief and and finding their own way and finding their own home.
5: I was just going to add, uh, that's one of the things I really liked about it when I um, read through the script for the first time. And I-, I love the fact it was like a sibling story because they are quite rare. Um, but yeah, especially when you have a lot of brothers and sisters like we all do, um, it's, you know, really, it's really emotional, you get really attached to it. And um, it's interesting what you're saying about how the, the theme presented itself as like the key theme of the show when sometimes you're working on a show and it's about multiple things and you don't really know what the, the main story is or the heart of the story. But as I was going through it, I definitely picked up on that, that relationship between the three of them. And it's just really emotional. Towards the end, there's so much emotion and stuff. You know, you can't imagine anyone not being able to relate to it or enjoy it. It's really nice.
0: I'm excited just listening to this. <laughs> I'm like absorbing it all right now. I'm like, wow, yes. <laughs> Yeah.
1: And isn't that like so wonderful? I think I know what Chrissy and I talk about is when we talk about theater is that Mm -hmm. there are those themes. They seem like really big themes and they are, Mm -hmm. but they're so personal and they touch each Mm -hmm. and every person who goes and sees a show. Like I know, you know, grief and loss within a family, a relationship with a sibling, um, family members who have immigrated from somewhere and have came to totally start over and have a new life. That's something that's so personal uh, to so many people, myself included. And uh, I I just, I'm so thrilled that we're here to talk about this. I think it's got so much heart. You know, what's it like kind of sharing those things that are so close to yourselves? Um, You know, your sibling relationships and of course your personal family history as well.
4: You know, what's it like putting that on paper to share? In some way, I think some of these things have um, come out in, inadvertently. You know, Spencer and I originally s- sat down. You know, we sat down reading the journals of his third great grandfather, and it was a, We were stuck in a, a random hotel. Um, what town was it in Germany, Spencer? Fussen. Okay, so <laughs> we were there. It was it rained for like three days, and so, you know, it just kind of started out of this boredom project, um, thinking well, let's, let's write a musical. That sounds fun. And then we, we saw that, you know, two paragraphs from his grandfather's journal that we thought was interesting. And then, you know, there was a forbidden love in that. And so we thought, oh, that's fun. Everybody likes a good forbidden love story. And it started there, but inadvertently just moments from our lives started to creep into the script. You know, we started exploring as we matured and as we, um, grappled with this idea of what it means to leave home and to um to find your own path in life but still retain these ties and form new types of ties with with siblings those themes just started to find their way their way into the show and you know the show actually re- really matured with us i think we were quite naive at the time we first started it and fortunately we've had the time to develop it and to change the themes along with things that we really have felt um, have pulled strongly in our lives.
3: Yeah, we were texting last night and it was, it's interesting because I think the show has morphed as we have morphed. We've, you know, not to get too personal, but we've had like a good couple of years where we had to navigate some real stuff. And I think it's been, you know, we can start to see some of that like in the show collectively. Um, and different familial relationships and our personal relationships in these different ways. And so the show is so about these two worlds and everything, but then we see ourselves in like, in this. And I think what we hope is that people see themselves. Like one of the things after our our first production of it was, you know, each person would come to us and be like, oh, I really like, connected with netty or i connected with hayden or like each one of them has a very specific journey um so it's kind of fun to see how people react to it
5: wait did this um you're saying this sparked from a little holiday trip in germany or something when you were just in so you carry around your grandfather's notebooks everywhere you go how did that happen
4: <laughs> i think we had scanned it in we we had been doing a lot of songwriting and we thought you know we should see if any of these songs could be put together for a show and a lot of those songs have now been scrapped because they just contextually don't work anymore (laughs) but um but yeah it was I think he he had digitally scanned Uh, in that journal and then we were like what's a good story let's look for some stories let's find something Copyright free and personal, (laughs) and something that's not just trying to take a movie and turn it into a musical. Um, So, yeah, we just happened to have that that on. I think his iPad or something.
3: We also had been traveling together for three weeks, so we had nothing else to talk about. Like (laughs) we were like (laughs) together for like it was a good three weeks, and uh, at that point, there's nothing left to. I was like, <laughs> yeah, so we just ended up like, okay, let's try this. And we literally got to like a mood board. or I don't know what they're called, but a little board. We and had sticky. some
4: app that had like sticky notes and we just uh, kind of put it together. Like if you had a big whiteboard and sticky notes and, and drafting out the plot and the plot has largely stayed the same, um, but the character's journeys within the plot has tra- changed dramatically.
3: Yeah. And since then we've also done a lot, like lots of research. It's I
4: Yeah.
3: Also was joking with Chanel, it's kind of like a dissertation on like Welsh Romani, because there's just not that much information out there. And actually in Especially the last with the Romani year, culture. Yeah.
4: Very little has been written down.
3: Yeah, that's a very oral-based culture. It's not written. It's it's not recorded. And so the research on it was pretty hard just to get information. Mm -hmm. But in this last year, there's actually quite a bit more. There's now a website um, that teaches Welsh Romani language that just came out this January. So yeah, and I had an opportunity to sit down with uh, the person who founded that to do more research. And so I feel like in the last four to five months, we've really been able to find some specificity inside of the culture of the Romani world and the Welsh world and doing this album that we're excited about, like has really kind of propelled that um, research and the people that we're working with now. So it's really exciting that way.
4: Yeah, And Joseph's musical vocabulary is very extensive as well too. So he's really helped to add to, to help craft um, the characters within instrumentation um Mm -hmm. he's he's added a very unique um, sound to the show for that
1: yeah that's actually a question we had for you joseph um we know that um obviously spencer and chanel you two have done a lot of research to make the book happen and balancing both the creative process and kind of the academic side of it but joseph how have you kind of brought the sort of research and stuff into something as artsy is like writing orchestrations you know how do you Find that balance, and what research did you have to do?
5: Um, well, I'm massively influenced by film scores. I think, I, well, since I was about 18, I've kind of always wanted to be a, a film composer, so that's kind of where I want to eventually end up. So I'm always very observant. Whenever I'm watching any film, uh, if it's set in a certain location, I'm always just paying attention to the musical culture and listening to the different types of instruments. And I like it when I hear something and I don't know what the instrument is, and then I got to go and do some research figure out you know what it was um so for this show um i didn't know too much about the kind of romani soundscape i had a general kind of um gypsy soundscape in my head which is what i kind of worked with and then i put in a few other kind of ethnic instruments um like a duduk it's kind of like a armenian clarinet but it just gives it that kind of distance feeling that you're somewhere else or you know but, uh, where these people have come from is somewhere far away. That's kind of what I was going for. Um, and then I've actually got a musical library called uh, Gypsy. It's just well, it's just called Gypsy, but it's got loads of instruments in which I thought were really good and really appropriate. Um, but I think a lot of it was in the DNA of the music, like I said before. Um, I think both of them are brilliant with rhythms, and I think that was something that was very, very important because it was it's very percussive, especially that part of the soundscape. Um, there's loads of different types of uh, castanets and tambourines and djembes and little bongos and all kinds of weird drums that I could find that I kind of hand up because you kind of, it's kind of street music that you're writing, isn't it? So they've got to be instruments that people can kind of hold. So that's why on the songs like um, Come Along and stuff, I just just cut out the piano completely because I was like, you're not going to see someone getting pushed around on the streets with a piano. So I, so that's kind of what I was thinking, then accordions and um, things like that. But I've had a lot of fun with it, actually. It's been, quite a, it's been fun to experiment with a soundscape which I haven't really heard in musical theatre before. And I still think that's one of the best selling points from the show, um, especially with the opening track Away. I think when you, you're waiting for a show to begin and that music starts, you'll be like, oh, this is, this is something new. I haven't heard this before. Um, and that's a real you know, strength to the show, I think.
1: When it comes to the research aspect of this journey, do any of you have any like fun facts that you learned that have like stuck uh, with you?
3: Yes. <laughs> you know, it's been it's been really amazing because it's both research about my family like heritage and genealogy, but then about, you know, two different really I think uh powerful cultures that really don't get that much limelight uh and both have huge um
4: just a, a huge talent base as far as music goes as well too it's just so easy to pull um stylistically from both of the their different soundscapes but um you know both Welsh and Romani culture have a history of excellent musicianship
3: yeah and that's it's been so exciting to get the Welsh uh, performers and hearing in the Welsh accent. And and one of them mentioned to me, they were like, I've been in musical theater my whole life and I've never been able to sing in a Welsh accent before. I've never been able to sing in my own accent. And while I think sometimes people think, Oh, well, whatever. I think that's a massive thing that, you know, this is some representation that has not been heard in the musical theater canon before. And, you know with romani we think you know the one gypsy esmeralda in hunchback but that could be like
5: oh my favorite score so ever. it <laughs> is a beautiful story. score must <laughs> be
3: <laughs> but it's not very well represented in regards to the romani experience mm-hmm. by any means and she's not a very well fleshed out character and so i just it's really important as i've done this journey in the research and as we've we've kind of really done the the hard work on this is that we want to give them representation that is real and that is authentic and so that's part of the reason why we've reached out to a, Ramon, a romani poet and writer uh we have rain on our team now and she basically comes through and kind of authentic- authenticates the voice of the romani just so that it feels and lives in the mm. real world as opposed to um some sort of uh i think
4: sometimes it's over romanticized yeah you know for sure this idea that um the mysticism of what it, you know in in the u.s we don't even know the term romani so when we tell someone we're we're doing a show that involves romani culture they're like what and then you say gypsies and they're like oh okay got it okay. <laughs> um so we're it's and, and and there's a certain um there are just certain thoughts that instantly come into people's minds when you say, Oh, you're writing a gypsy show, it must be so colorful and mystical. And you know, there's and yes, there are aspects, there are reasons why stereotypes exist. They're usually grounded in something somewhere, but um yeah, we, we want to bring a more authentic voice, recognizing that neither of us have that background, um, but we don't want to we don't want to add to the stereotypes.
3: Yeah. and So one of the main things that we've learned is actually the Welsh Romani sound is very uh, harp driven and mm-hmm. fiddle driven to which I think most people think is very Welsh, but they're the ones that kind of created that sound in Wales. And now the triple harp and fiddle is like very ingrained into the Welsh country sound. Like it's very, it's very a part of their world. And yet that came from the Romanis. Um, One of our characters is based off of uh, one of the triple harpists, like one of the famous Romani triple harpists who played for Queen Victoria and these, you know. So it's kind of amazing because I think we have an idea of what, or like people have an idea of what Romani music is. And yet, because it wasn't recorded and it wasn't, you know, written down, we actually don't know a lot. Um, But Chanel and I were able to reach out to the seventh great granddaughter of Abram Wood, who was the king of the gypsies. And she gave us a melody and a poem from the 1800s that we were able to uh, adapt and kind of create our own little version of it but like that was an exciting uh exciting moment to kind of bring to life some real you know Romani poems and music and we literally just sent that to Joseph two (laughs) nights ago
5: (laughs) and I've already almost finished it (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah.
4: and this is why Joseph is on board (laughs) (laughs) because we can hand him something and then a couple days later he comes back with this film score sounding soundtrack it's it's amazing
0: amazing
5: but you know it's a lot easier to um orchestrate when you when you really get the vision uh spencer's started sending me emails with loads of detail of like the settings okay so imagine they're all around this kind of campfire and stuff and there's someone playing the harp and we want to play mystical and just from that you kind of there's so many instruments i can pour into you know that soundscape and make it work so yeah lots of fun
3: And I think this Mm -hmm. might be the third or fourth time that Joseph and I are and like, we're all on camera together. Mostly I write really long emails about 10 PM (laughs) at night (laughs) and he has to decipher them all and he does. So it's great.
2: Yes. (laughs) I love
1: it. That's amazing. And so we are going to jump in. You have a concept album coming out for the show. Can you tell us about it? What's it like? Who's involved? What can people expect when they listen?
3: Yeah, it's so excited, or it's so exciting. We've waited eight years to make this happen. And I am actually really happy that we waited the eight years and we did the work. I think if we had done this Mm -hmm. before, it just wouldn't be exactly what we wanted but we're really proud of what's coming out. We have 22 people on this concept album all over the UK. Everyone is doing this distanced um and I think most exciting is that we have I think 10 to 12 Welsh um speaking uh singers. I mean, the Welsh people have such an amazing like they're such amazing musicians and I don't know how we pulled it off. Honestly, like the last four months is a little bit of a blur, but we have like people from the West end joining us. Like uh, I just spoke with Jade Davies on Instagram this week and she is brilliant. And she's from North Wells. She did her prom at Redland castle, which is one of the places that is in the show. (laughs) And she is singing. We did a um, adaptation or arrangement of a very famous Welsh uh, lullaby called Suagan and she's singing on that. And it's like it's the first time we've heard Welsh people sing, and it's unreal. I'm so excited.
4: And ha- how many tracks? 25 tracks we're gonna have. Uh, right. So it's you, you'll be able to listen to the show start to finish. um There will be you know scenes that won't be included, of course, but you should be able to follow the 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 gist of the show from start to finish. Um, one thing in our journey, we've done various productions and readings, um, and we have never been able to let someone you know walk away with the music at, at these events. and um, for us, it's been really important. We feel like that the next step for this show is that if people can listen to it, that is what's gonna grab pe- people's attention. You know, when you're submitting to theaters and trying to get people interested, there's only so much you can gain from reading a script, right? But when you can live in the world of the show through the music, um, then that's what we hope really propels things forward for the show. But also, you know, production or no production, this album is something, it's, it's a, I think it's a work of art and something we've worked very hard on. And um, we really want people to just have something that they can take away and kind of be, live through this very, it will be a very long show you know, 25 tracks, but we think that there's a lot of earworms in there and that people, we're hoping people like it.
5: Yeah, and I think um, with an original show, it is so hard to pitch the concept to someone. I've been there with my own shows. And unless you can actually present them something that sounds, you know, 90% or 100% what it's meant to sound like, they just won't get it they say they'll be like, oh yeah, I can envision it from your piano sketch, but really they, they can't until they've heard it all. Um, and also, I mean, it it encapsulates eight years of work. I mean, it's such a great thing to have, you know. <laughs> I think that was one of the best decisions I made um, a few years ago when I was writing musicals and I wanted to get it out there. I wanted to get my shows produced and everything. And I realized I just had to record it. I had to learn how to and Produce music, and I spent thousands of pounds. Like all of the money that I was earning was just going straight into, you know, music libraries, um, mixing courses, all the equipment that I need, which is quite a lot. But it's totally paid off, and now I'm able to um, help people like me who have written a show and have such a great vision, but just haven't been able to actually pre- present it to someone, you know, unless it's performed on stage. Um, but with a recording, it's great because if someone can't make your production you can just send them the album and they can listen to it that way. And there's another way for them to kind of access your show rather than, you know, before production, you send out like 200 emails, you're like, please come to my show, we'd love you to be there. Um, But most people are busy, especially around in the West End. And you know, you're lucky if 5% of them actually turn up. So um, having a, a concept album is a massive step forward, I think for anyone creating a musical.
3: We wanted to create a concept album that wasn't just, you know, the usual four or five piece band that I think most Mm. is what you hear because it's so expensive to, (laughs) you know, get this going. And even like when we've done a full production of it, we loved it, but it was a five piece band and you know, it's not like you can hire a harpist. Like when you tell the theater company, you're like, oh, uh, we really need a harp. They're like, no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's oh. integral to this sound, right? And so it's so important. And then, you know, the other thing we thought about was like, you know, getting different types of people just singing a one-off song or different, you know, like things like that. And we just wanted to tell the story from top to end with the same cast and with like this world of the orchestra mm. um, that we haven't been able to hear before, and we didn't want to do a highlights. Like, you know, if we're going to do it, let's just do it. So, <laughs> twenty five songs later.
5: <laughs> yes. <laughs>
3: and I haven't slept in four months. No, I'm drinking. <laughs>
5: um, actually, Spencer, I was going to say that was one of. The greatest things to hear in our first conversation i think it was or it might have been our conversation with blair but basically um i had done the trial song and i realized i was going to do the whole project and i was talking to them with experience from previous shows i've orchestrated where the producer or someone has always been like oh yeah you know whatever we record we've got to make sure it's going to be playable on stage so can keep it down to a certain amount of instruments, and maybe you want to use bass guitar and drum kit. It's such a foundation sound. And Spencer was like, "It's like no, just just throw everything at it, give it what you got." And because I'm obsessed with film scores and I love big dramatic soundscapes, I was like, "Ah, oh, yes, this is going to be something I can really, you know, pour all my skills into." And and uh, I don't get a chance to do, you know, as often, so it's been great fun. Yeah.
4: Well, and and as we've been writing, the way that Joseph orchestrates is how I've always heard it in my head and so for me with every production having the limitations of you know not enough time for the musicians to rehearse because you're paying them and and so you know as a composer you know every note you know when one note is sung wrong you know that one rhythm was a 16th note off you know that you really wanted to hear the violin do a slide that way on that that one phrase and you know, when it it's stuck, I feel like it's been stuck inside of my head for so long, the way that I want to hear this show. And then finally, I cannot tell you how many times Joseph sends it over a track. And you know, I'll be in the middle of, of something else, some other project, the the uh, middle of a work day, but I I'll, I'll like sneak off. I'll go and find that five <laughs> minutes to listen. And I'm just <laughs> like throwing my hands in the air. I'm like, finally. Finally, that's how I've heard it in my head for the last five years, and I've never heard it you know out loud. so it's wow. it's really an incredible experience that he has you know such a vast library that he's pulling from as far as you know his instruments go it's it's really incredible to hear those. And you know I think this creates opportunities for the show to, to hearing it with a large soundscape. Um, it could be performed in so many ways. It could be performed outdoors now that we have the tracks and have the instrumental side of it. If we wanted to just put it through speakers because of other limitations, we could, or, you know, I see cinematic opportunities because it has that sound to it. But of course, you know, um, it still works for stage, assuming that we can get our thirty piece orchestra that we that I want one day. but <laughs> <laughs> but we I mean, we have also done it with just piano before. And, you know, Spencer and I compose everything from the piano as a starting point. So, there's a-
5: Yeah, so do I. I think that's, a, you know, a massive strength of the show. I mean, they're not songs that require everything I'm throwing at it. They, they work really well just on piano or guitar. Um, and you can always do it like that. And, and that's great. And, that, and you know, what? that can't be said with all kinds of pop musicals. But when you break down these songs, the writing is very sophisticated. Um, and that's always the most important thing, you know. There's, um, you can arrange it in a thousand different ways, but at the end of the day, the, the core, the chords, the melody, and the lyrics have to be good. And they are in every song. Um, um, that, that's one of the things I'm most impressed with. The consistency of this, um, show is amazing. It's not like there's five good songs and the rest are okay. They're all amazing. And, and they're all so different. You know, there's one, I, I liked working on a song like, um, Oh, Love of Mine. Cause it's kind of like the, the church sound. So that's a different musical palette. I can use nice deep warm bass singers and organs and bells. Um, and then there's the gypsy stuff, and then there's the kind of folk rock sound. You know, there's so many different elements that make up the school. Um, yeah, just gives it loads of colour.
1: I'm so excited to hear this. When's the album? When's the album coming out?
4: <laughs> Where can we get it?
3: <laughs> so there's a lot
4: the- of talk and no sound yet. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I know. I'm, I'm hoping everyone will love it, but it's going to come out July 30th. Yeah. <clears throat> and you guys are the first to know this. We just decided. Yay! I, <laughs> I don't even know if Joseph fully knew that. It's July 30th. <laughs> that uh,
4: We're springing up. I was told I had to September first. <laughs> <laughs> right. um,
3: but we are really. This is
4: where excited. we send Joseph um, apology flowers.
3: <laughs> uh, oh, we are okay. really excited to put it out there You know, so that people can hear it But I think, you know, one of the things that this, this whole process has given us Is this opportunity to finally showcase the show The way that we're really, really proud of mm-hmm. um, It is so hard to get an original musical That is an unknown title by unknown writers <laughs>
1: Unknown writers
3: and, and we've had such an amazing like ride on the development side. We've gone to some wonderful places like New York Musical Theater Festival, Goodspeed Opera House, Michigan State, Isle of Man. Like we've had such support along the way, but this next step for us, I think like finally I'm really excited to share like what the show sounds like. And it's just, so July 30th, Like, there's a lot of work to be done before that, but I'm just, I can't wait. Like, I've always been nervous before. Like, when we do our show, I'm, like, a nervous wreck before, like, opening night or whatnot. And not, not, like, almost in a bad way. And I just... I am just so proud of what we've accomplished and like the people that we have on the project. I wanna make sure that we mention, we have Yeston Griff- Griffiths. Um, he is working with the ensemble and he is from Wales. I got him aboard on the project and he uh, runs the West End of Wales and does all this really cool stuff. Um, and I'm just so excited to have him on the project. So it's just been really, the last four months we've, I feel like been able to really, Get going, something that we've you know been working on for a long time.
5: Yeah, I can't wait for the response as well. I think it's going to go down really well um, with, with people all over. But it is nice that it highlights um, the Welsh people as well, because, like you say, it's not a it's it's hard for actors when they're, they're not allowed to use their, their accent or it's going to be trained out of them if you come to the UK and you want to get in the UK production That's you know not such a great thing. Um, but yeah, and also sometimes when you work on something for so long. Your mind, you know, it's good, but I mean, the opening, for example, is eight and a half minutes. And I must have been there day after day for like a week, maybe, maybe even a bit more. And after a while, I just go brain dead. And I'm like, I think this sounds good because when I first started it, working on it, I was like, oh, this is great. But then you kind of, you you lose sight of if it it works or not. So it's nice to hear that Chanel has her own little parties when she gets a. A recording sent through. Um, but I think hearing the feedback from the um, general public will be amazing. Um,
3: so yeah, exciting time.
0: Very exciting. Now, where can everyone find you on social media? How can people support for tonight?
3: So the first thing is just, I think, join the journey. Like, this is a different experience because, you know, most Broadway musicals, like, they get their big announcement, you know, and then then that starts. But we want people to come... On the journey with us and you know people have been on that journey for the for several years and it's been really fun. But you know, what does it take to get a new musical in London? How do you get new voices new new stories, new representation like that's what we want people to discover and to learn that you know instead of instead of just being given musicals that they can be a part of the journey and a part of getting it to a space, especially on new work and new original work. You know, I, I love a good movie musical like Adam's Family or what whatnot, but I'm like, I just need something real and something original and a different sound. And I think that's part of the reason why Chanel and I started out on this journey to begin with, is we wanted to hear something different in the theater And so you can join us on Instagram or Facebook. Those are, uh, Instagram is usually where we're at. And, you know, joining that conversation and lifting up new writers and new stories is kind of what we would love to do. And then, you know, who knows what happens in the future. We have a wonderful producer, Blair Russell, that's on the team. He's amazing, just worked on Slave Play on Broadway. And is this up and coming new producer? We just all want to do cool work.
4: He's very creative, and he's uh, the first producer that we have really worked with. And we're we've we've been hesitant in the past with some other circumstances, but with Blair, Blair's not so tied to any one model of producing theater. He, I love his creativity. And his, um, he looks to a lot of different sources other than just, you know, traditional straight theater. And that's one thing that you know, S- Spencer has a long-standing love of musical theater. I, on the other hand, <laughs> have been newer to, to the genre, um, and I think that's been good because Spencer pulls me into the traditional world, world where necessary, and then I think I push him out of that where necessary. But um, for me. I've had some of the worst and best experiences of my life sitting in theaters. And when theater is rough, it can be really, really rough. It's hard to sit through. And so, you know, as a personal project, I thought, okay, I've seen some musicals that have really inspired me. And I've seen some musicals that have been very painful before. And I really want to push myself to try and work in a genre that has that I know has that capacity for both extremes right and so that's part of our in crafting our album I've always thought is this something that I would actually want to listen to after seeing the show or just would sit down and listen to on it on its own and so it's been really important for us to think we want to hear music that out of context works for us not just while you're sitting in the theater and so that's why this album has been really important yes. to the project
3: for us. And we're we definitely like to live in the melody of the song. And there's a lot of musical theater composers yeah. recently that don't. <laughs> I guess that's all I'll say.
4: Oh, we're getting controversial I love on here. That.
3: <laughs> I know, but I love to walk out of the theater singing something. Mm-hmm. And you know, you think about Les Mis, and you can instantly sing all these different melodies and I think it's the reason why it's like such I mean obviously it's a great story but like there's a reason why that why that show has lasted and you know even 40 years later or almost 40 years later you know there it's still lovely to hear and so we wanted to you know write something where you walk out of the theater and you can still hum it Mm -hmm. and you can still hear it and not just kind of sing on a pitter-patter that's you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. We just wanted to do something.
5: A yeah, no, I know what you mean. I'm the same because, um, I mean, when I write a piece of music, um, again, because I was influenced by film scores, I'm always thinking melody first because that has to be the thing that uh, initially it grabs the emotion, not the lyrics, I mean, the lyrics can obviously and will play a massive part in delivering the emotion, but mm-hmm. you've got to also do it with with music. And if you start with the music, I think it's a, a massive strong point to say, uh, ah, yeah. like you could almost cut the words out yeah. or have it sung in a different language and you'd still get yep. what they're singing about. Um, And I think that comes through with Fortnite. We
1: were actually just talking about this last night, weren't we? We were talking about songs that if you took out the lyrics, you would still know exactly what the person was going through. So we are very much melody rooted humans Mm -hmm. and theater goers as well. It's, um, you know, it's, it's so beautiful to kind of, when you can look at something and go, okay, you take the lyrics part out of it and you still can feel and know, it's just, it's so beautiful. And it's something that music does so well and the lyrics kind of enhance. And yeah, mm. I like leaving the theater and kind of trying to remember the words to a song I've heard once, but like, you know, the melody, <laughs> you're driving home. <laughs> yeah.
3: And that's why it's been exciting to have Joseph on board is because honestly, like we haven't been able to find the right collaborator, like for a really long time because a lot of people don't understand that. like or understand our vibe in regards to that. And when Joseph sent over the mm-hmm. first one, it was clear like that we were going to be able to collaborate and he was going to be able to take what <clears throat> we gave him and kind of you know craft this world around it and that emotion. I always in my emails to him, I'm always like talking very like emotion based and like in imagery as opposed to like, that's
5: all language though, isn't it? I mean, that is how you communicate things in the world of music. Um, at least for us, it is and uh, yeah, I love I love deciphering your emails and thinking okay now I see what's going. My job is the 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 main thing i want to do is preserve the emotion that's the most important thing i'll um develop the soundscape um from what chanel's already sent me but but the first thing is to listen to the song and really understand what the message is and the type of world that they're trying to create and then you just do it but the the thing that i don't ever want to do is just go overboard with my own ideas of ah yeah it's a make it really punchy and chuck in loads of, you know, bass synths or whatever it is that don't have anything to do with the story or the character. Um, Because, yeah, and that's where the kind of less is more approach works because you've really got to think, okay, so this song is, it's not just about the lyrics, but it's about the character of her voice or something. And then you've got to leave enough space in the instrument so that that person's voice can really soar. Um, Because the vocalist will always be the number one thing that the general public is listening to. So other composers and um, theatre lovers may love all the details you've done with the orchestration, but a lot of the general public will just listen to the vocals. So you've got to make sure that that vocal definitely has space and room to kind of soar. So a lot of what I do with the Mm -hmm. arranging is um, if it's it's ever too kind of clustered in the mid-range, my job is to kind of separate it out or whatever so that I can really hear the vocalist. so that she can deliver the song, or he.
4: (laughs) This orchestrator is one of the um, most unromantic jobs there is in the theater side of things because if you've done your job really well, then you don't get orchestration comments. You get comments about the music, the song, um, that part when she was belting so high and this, you know, but if you've done your job, job well nobody nobody talks about the instrumentation
0: (laughs) I honestly I just have to say your admiration for each other's work is just so beautiful and heartwarming you have me wanting to cry over here honestly congratulations to all of you
3: I just wanted to say what like to your earlier question I was just thinking sorry to be long-winded but I just think it's really exciting. Like this is a completely independent, like this is the indie like songwriter version of a musical theater show. Like, I, I, I'm not saying this because I think we're Ingrid Michaelson or something, but she has definitely yeah. been an inspiration to us. Like she came out with her first album, completely independent. Like I've been on her journey since the beginning. And, you know, I love Ingrid Michaelson though. <laughs> And you'll hear, actually, like, there's definitely, you know, some of that inside of our show. But I just think, you know, it doesn't happen very often in theater. Like, you really, there's just not that many shows. But, like, even, I, I'm going to bring Les Mis back up again, but it's like Cameron Macintosh, lot in France brought it over, like, and created this kind of independently grown show. And he hadn't done a lot of work before that. And I think, I think we need that. Like we need that in theater right now. And so that's like the exciting part, like from like a theater nerd side of this, like trying, you know, is that you can go on that journey. Like we saw it with Be More Chill, that social media influenced a show going to Broadway. And like, we need more of that. We don't need the gatekeepers telling us what show, yeah, what is art? Because like, honestly, like the shows that have been announced for Broadway, I'm like, not for me. So I just, this is an opportunity to kind of like navigate that journey with us. And we just want to invite everyone on that because like, why not? It's, it's crazy. And we're doing something new. Who writes a, who, who creates a concept album in a pandemic cross continentally? I don't know. We're insane, but it's been amazing. (laughs) It's
1: awesome. And like you say, it's about the journey. And I think that so many people who love theater and are theater lovers, theater nerds, you know, watching the journey is sometimes like the best part in the sense that, you know, shows like Phantom or Wicked, things that have been around forever, you you can love the show, but you don't get that. You don't have that kind of experience of watching it become what it is. And uh, I think it's so wonderful that you're all sharing your journey. And also, you know, on this topic, uh, for the people listening at home, I always say, you know, support the people who are making art. They don't, it doesn't have to be, you know, all Broadway stuff. There are people everywhere all over the world who are making beautiful stories and beautiful music and they do deserve your support just as much. And the pandemic has opened it up in the sense that we're all online. We're all online so much of the day. And so many people are getting into this spotlight to share what they've created and I think that that's so special and I'm so glad that all of you yeah transcontinentally during a pandemic you are making a beautiful album for your show that you all speak so passionately about and you're going to share it with everyone and it's it's congratulations really it's amazing
3: well Technically, you're our first podcast, so now you're really, really a part of our journey. And we don't get to talk very often like this either.
4: (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for having us on. We really appreciate it. You know, it's like we said, to have a no-name show with no-name writers, um, people have to take risks (laughs) in order to invest their time into the work that we're doing. And so, you know, it, it really helps us on our journey when people like you have us on on for interviews so thank, thank, you. You. thank you
1: well we know your names and we're gonna share them <laughs> we're gonna scream them from the rooftops because um if you can't tell we're thrilled
0: <laughs> to conclude this very exciting episode we now have an exclusive song for you from the for tonight cast recording here is don't go it alone performed by jay davies who plays the role of molly